The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC Online and Happy Easter. I know that a lot of people during this whole pandemic outbreak have had the question, man, is Jesus coming back soon? And I've tried to be faithful to say, man, I don't know, but we know that um, Jesus said the beginning of birth pains, we are to really be paying attention and watching out. And one of the things that we know is that the gospel will be preached into all the world, man, before uh, Christ returns back. And so like we, we think about that and we think, man, if there was ever a time that the gospel was preached to the entire world, it is today when churches all over the world are doing church online and the gospel is going forth as most of the churches and the ministers will be preaching about Jesus and his resurrection. And so that's an exciting thing to think about. And, and as we're in this, this pandemic and hopefully the good news is we're starting to come out of it, we start trying to make sense of it and going, man, where is God in the midst? of all of this. Well, as I've said, man, he's roaring. He is roaring like a lion. He's trying to get our attention as Isaiah and Hosea and um, uh, the prophet Amos have all been challenging and teaching us is that they use the language of the lion. And that roar is both for Israel to awaken the nation, call her back home, and it is for us, the people of God, as the the church is um, opened up and, and we are grafted in, both Jew and Gentile. And so the Lord is trying to get people's attention, and he will, he will use things like uh, events like this. He always has in history, and my hope and my prayer is that we are on the verge of a great awakening where many people um, respond to the Lord and, and a real revival breaks out in our land because I really believe that, um, that if, if things don't get better as far as a revival and a spiritual awakening among the church, I think they're going to get much worse in America. And I think this this is this could pale in comparison to some of the things that we could experience in the future if we don't uh, awaken and are called back home to the Lord. And I'm, I'm talking about the church just having a real sense of spiritual revival and power happening in our midst. And, and I'm excited about what that might mean for um, even my kids if we are on the verge of a great awakening. And I'm certainly, as a minister, just being transparent, I'm concerned if it means that, that it's just going to be a ripple and nothing really is going to happen and people are going to go right back to their normal. Uh, I'm concerned if that's what happens to us. But but today as we celebrate Easter, it reminds me in all of this of how much uh, Jesus, the Lord, he cares for us. I'm reminded of when he was um, looking over Jerusalem in the Gospel of Matthew and and, uh, chapter 23, verse 37, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you, your, uh, your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so what do we learn from that man? As the Lord is looking over Jerusalem prior to him going to the cross of Calvary, and he's grieving over his people. And 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 what he wants for us, and what so what causes the Lord to grieve is that he wants us to recognize him in our lives. 
That's what makes the heart of the Lord grieve, is when we fail to recognize Jesus in our lives and we have the ability to see that he's moving and he's working. And so we know uh, the story of John and Peter after Jesus had risen from the dead. He would intermittently come and appear to them. And on one particular occasion, they had been fishing all night. Nothing was happening. The Holy Spirit had not been given yet. The day of Pentecost had not happened. And so they're trying to figure out what to do with their lives and they sort of regressed and went backwards and went back to what they knew before and they were fishing. And when they had fished all night and not caught any fish, there was a man on the shore that told them to throw their nets on the other side of the boat. They didn't want to. They said they'd been fishing all night, but they did it anyways to oblige the guy. And the net was full. And John immediately said to Peter, it is the Lord. And Peter jumped out of the boat, swam to shore because he recognized the Lord was speaking in his life. And from that point forward, man, things just started to blow up in the church. And it wouldn't be long for the Holy Spirit fell on them. And the church came out of the ground. And over and over and over and over again, they continually were saying, it is the Lord. He was showing up. He wasn't just showing up in the apostle's life. He wasn't just showing up in the preacher's life. He was showing up in the layman's life. There were people. It didn't matter who you were or what you did. If you were a follower of Jesus and you were following in his footsteps and being obedient to him, the spirit was descending on those people and they were awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit that had fallen on them and they easily on their lips was the saying, it is the Lord. And one of the things that we do at OPCC is we're constantly trying to teach people how to recognize when the Lord is showing up in their lives. And so that's what the Lord wants for us because when we get to that place in our lives, we recognize that it is the Lord doing these things, When we're, then we're walking in a place of freedom. We're walking in a place, man, where things are starting to happen in our lives, and, and we're, just, we, we're, we're blown away by what the Lord is doing. And that's what we would call spiritual freedom, and a person can live the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10. Well, here's an interesting thing when we talk about the roar of the lion. 722 years before arriving... As the lion in flesh, God incarnate, before arriving on the planet, Jesus used a prophet by the name of Hosea to teach us uh, that he grieves for us, that he desires uh, for us, and he grieves, and he, like the James, um, he talks about it, he says that, that God jealously desires the spirit that he made to live in us. And so God desires that, and so when he doesn't get that, he grieves over us, and so the Lord is even teaching us that through this prophet, prophet uh, Hosea and his wife Gomer. Now, we learned last week that Hosea, um, he is told to go take a wife and that she would be unfaithful to him. Very difficult thing that the Lord asked a prophet to do, taking this wife knowing that she would be unfaithful to him in the future, but it was going to be an object lesson that God was trying to communicate both to his people, the nation of Israel, and that he would use it even to communicate to us thousands of years later as the spiritual Israel who's been grafted in um, to the nation of God because we are born again in Christ. And so we are grafted in to what the Lord is doing here on the planet right now. And that's the age that we're living in. And so uh, we know that she's going to be faithful. And so Gomer, we think of her, I think uh, just uh, when we think prophet, we probably tend to think older gentleman and we probably tend to think of older woman. But the truth is, is she was probably a young, very attractive woman and they were married. 
And so she was probably very charming because we know uh, a lot of the things that she was very attractive to other men, okay? And so we see that playing out in the story, and we're going to look at that today. And so here's the deal is she was a beautiful woman. She was a charming woman, but she was shallow in her desires. And I think that's where people are today. There's a lot of people in America that are shallow in their desires, and they don't understand the deep convicting truths of the Lord. And so those shallow desires in up leading them to a place where the devil literally can manipulate us. And that's what happened to Gomer. She was manipulated by the enemy and she started traveling down um, a, a path of sin. And that path of sin was paved by pleasure and materialism. And so she loved men and she loved material things. And she would put those two things together and that's how she was able to experience the both of what she thought was the best world. And so the enemy was constantly lying to her saying, come follow me. Don't worry about the things that have been promised to your people. You come follow me and I will give you all of your heart's desires. But her heart's desires were shallow. And so she was led down of this, this path of sin that was paved by pleasure and materialism. And she ended up in a do- downward spiral. And that's the part the enemy will never tell us about is that as we follow him, he often will give us those things that are pleasurable and feel good but it isn't too long before we are in a downward spiral caught up in a cycle of sin and we are left like she was naked and ashamed of ourselves especially when it comes and you may not you may be going with man I'm not ashamed but you may be ashamed before God that's why it's often hard for people to pray because they don't know how to talk to God because they're ashamed of their sin and the devil is wearing them out about that and so that's what he does is he leaves people in a state of vulnerability and ashamed before the God the creator of the universe and they are not able to walk with him and so what happens is we look at her story and we go well man she was unfaithful that's exactly what she she deserved. She got what was coming to her. And that's how we think as humans. But that's not how God thinks. We see a totally different picture and it totally blows our mind. We see both truth and grace in this story. And truth is always coming at us and the Lord is always bringing truth to us, but he's always balancing it with grace. And we never see that more apparent than we do in the story of Hosea and, and uh, uh, Gomer. And so uh, Hosea, he grieves for her, man. He grieves for her. And, and, and if you do a careful study of, of the book, you'll begin to see that there are some things that we can fill in the blanks. We don't know for sure exactly how everything played out, but there are some things that happened in Hosea's life that he was asked to do by God for Gomer. And we, as we fill in those blanks, the story starts to come alive for us. And so it was bound to happen. Um, Hosea marries her. We know that kid number one is his, kid number two two is not, and kid number three is not. And so um, she's already been unfaithful. The marriage is really rocky. And he comes home one day, and it was imminently, it was going to happen. He gets home, the kids are hungry, and nobody, Gomer is nowhere to be found. She didn't even take care of her kids. She abandoned them all, and she left. And so this, like, this is what he comes home to, and his heart is broken. And if your heart has ever been broken um, uh, over a relationship, then you know how tender you can be. You know how the, 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 the things in life seem to come to a screeching halt, and you've got to figure out how to, how to clean up the mess of the one left behind, how to keep yourself together, and, and how to take care uh, of these people. In his life is what he had to do, is he had to take care of these kids. And so here he is in this broken place. He's trying to figure out how to put his life back together, 
and still be faithful to God. And time goes on and he hears rumors. There's words going through the street about Gomer and he finds out that Gomer has fallen on hard times. As a matter of fact, she doesn't have any money. She doesn't even have any food. And the Lord asks um, Hosea to do a very difficult thing. He comes to Hosea and this time, again, we would be thinking, man, it serves her right. That's exactly what she deserves. And God asks Gomer or asks Hosea to go to Gomer and take her some groceries and some, and some cash. And so she, he loads it up and he makes his way across town and he comes to a house and he knocks on the door. Is this where Gomer is staying? The man comes to the door to answer the question and he says, yeah, what's it to you? And he says, well, I'm her husband. And so the man is probably thinking, well, he's come for trouble. Hosea has come for trouble. And, and Hosea says, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not here to cause any trouble. I just heard that she has fallen on hard times, and I brought some food, and I brought some money. Would you please give it to her? He gives the man the groceries, and he goes in, and we don't know exactly as it happened that way, but we do know that um, he goes, uh, she thinks the provision comes from her lover. And so Hosea departs, and, and the, he goes back in. The lover goes back in and says, I, I've brought some uh, groceries. I've brought some cash for you. We have some sustenance. And so she celebrates, and she's thinking that all of the provision that she's receiving is coming from her lovers. And again, God is trying to speak to Israel as a nation as they are pursuing false gods, and they're mixing religion with the true Judaism that he had called them to. And so he's calling out to them, and he's trying to teach through this object lesson. He's trying to get their attention. And so um, we, we look at that and, 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 and Hosea is very faithful in his love to her. And he teaches us in this how God grieves and must react to us ignoring him. That's the whole purpose of the story of Hosea, is to teach us that God is calling us to himself. He is the creator of the universe, and his desire is for us to walk with him. And so as he's calling out to us and we are ignoring him, it grieves his heart. And so we see truth coming in, and truth will always come in when God is grieved, not because he's mad at us, and that's the, that's the lie of the devil when you look at things spiraling out of control in your life, and you're saying, well, God is mad me. He's punishing me. No, God is trying to get your attention. He's roaring. He has a love for you that you don't comprehend yourself. And he's trying to get you to come home to himself. And so as we look at uh, chapter two, beginning in verse two, we begin to unfold and, and see God teaching us how he grieves and how he reacts to us ignoring him. It says in uh, verse two that rebuke your mother. He has the kids rebuke, rebuke her. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. I will show my love to her. I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, he says, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. 
She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first. For then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold which they used for Baal. And so that's how we know that, that uh, uh, Hosea was the one who provided for her because he's retelling the story as God wanted it to be unpacked for the children of Israel. And so she, even though she received all the goods, she didn't acknowledge it. Therefore, he says, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly, yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed feasts. I mean, this kind of blows my mind right now as the Lord has us in this text and he led me here. These were religious things that they were mixing a bunch of false worship in. And I'm reminded of people who only have time for Jesus on Christmas and Easter. It's just a religious festival. And what has happened? It has been stopped. It has been stopped. And the Lord is roaring like a lion. He says, I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, declares the Lord. And so she had forgotten all of the ways of the Lord. She had forgotten all that the Lord had done for her and her people. And she was in a complete state of rebellion. And we're like, whoa, man. Look, I thought this was Easter. I thought we were going to hear this, this story of hope, man. I've never heard a sermon like this on Easter. Well, you're going to get one today because you're going to get the whole counsel of the Word of God. And we say, well, isn't Easter about good news? It is, friend. And, and here right now, the reason we are so struggling and so conflicted with this story is because we know how we would end the story. But God's ways are not like our ways. And God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. And so when he gets to the last um, uh, section, it says, therefore, listen to what he's going to do after this part. Therefore, I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be in Vote. In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that, are move, that move along the ground. Watch this, environmentalists. Watch this, those of you who love the world, those of you who love the animal kingdom and you want to see what's best for it. Watch what happens. They get That whole situation gets solved when the, 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 she responds to the alluring of God. Even not only the animal kingdom gets um, called back into a place of redemption. It says bow and sword and and battle I will abolish from the land so that uh, 
all may lie down in safety. I will betroth to you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth, and the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine and oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. And I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. And so the Lord, man, he's roaring. He's roaring at Israel. And he roars at us the same way today. When the Lord is trying to get our attention, he's trying to say something to us that is for our benefit. And so as we unpack this passage of scripture and we look at it, we go, man, that, that's an incredible story there, Jimmy, how the Lord, he just threw that last twist in there. And I was expecting the vengeance of the Lord to fall, but he said he was going to call her back to himself. He was going to change her. And we see something of the end times described some of this prophecy has already taken place because the Lord has made a way for redemption to be uh, possible through the story of Easter. And so as we think about Jesus uh, cr being crucified on the cross and rising from the dead, then we see the first part of the redemption, the alluring is that God will make a way for all mankind to know him and to be right with him. And so he roars at us in order to call us back to himself so that we respond to truth and we listen to him and He we start giving a lead to him and he starts leading us through life. But the day will come where he will no longer allow people to come into the kingdom. I don't know when the last person gets saved. I don't know when the last person is born again spiritually, but there will come a time when that is over. And so part of this is prophetic beyond that, saying that uh, this, the, all of the passages that say the lion will lay down with the lamb. And he's talking about the animal kingdom that fully, when we are fully redeemed and the planet is redeemed and, and, and Jesus comes back for the second time, there's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any death. There's not going to be any COVID-19. There's not going to be any sickness at all. There's not going to be any sin. And we will call out the name of the Lord and, and the name of any other God will not be in our lips. And so we won't even be tempted to be drawn away from God because we will be in that place ultimately with Jesus, what he came to accomplish and purchase us for himself. And so we look at all that, man, we go, man, there's a lot there, bro. There's a lot there. There are three things. There are three therefores. So as we study this text, we see three therefores. And you always want to answer the question when you see a therefore in the Bible, what is that therefore? And as we unpack these, we see three things that apply to us, that apply to the nation of Israel, that apply to all of God's people, that apply to how he interacts with people here on the planet. And so the first one comes from verse six, and this is what it says. Therefore, I will block, listen to this, therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. And so here's the first takeaway. When we ignore the lion, he will block. That's what the scripture is teaching us, is that if we are the people of God and he's chosen us, you see, you can't even come into the kingdom without the Lord choosing you. The Spirit draws us, and we respond in affirmation that I want to be yours, Lord. And so as he draws us, if we are children of his and we start to ignore him, then what happens is he will block our paths. That's exactly what he does to Gomer, and we are foolish if we think that he will not do it to us. The writer of Hebrews says that if he doesn't discipline us, then it's like a father that doesn't love his children, and he loves us so much that he was some 
sometimes will discipline us. And so here's the deal. Hosea was the one providing for Gomer, but Gomer believed it was her and her lover. That's exactly where we are at in America today is that everybody thinks that it is their own ingenuity and their own intelligence and their own abilities that is the one providing for them. But they have forgotten that God owns everything and he even created the very brain that exists between their, um, uh, uh, in their, between their two temples, is that God created that brain. He owns you. And, and even if you don't understand that he owns you, he does, like he's the creator of the universe. And so we, what happens is, is we begin to think we are taking care of ourselves when the Lord is actually the one providing for us. You see, if we start to think about this, he gave us trees, he gave us iron, he gave us brains, and what did we do? We created a cross, a hammer, and nails, and hung him on it, and killed him. Because we think that we know everything that we're doing. You see, we don't stop to pause to realize that God has created everything, even the free will that we have to crucify him back in history. If we do not learn how the early apostles learned to say it is the Lord, then what happens, you see, when I'm recognizing that it is the Lord working in my life, and I say, man, it is the Lord. Sometimes people will say, man, I really love that sermon, bro. You were really rolling in the, the power of the Lord. Like I could, I could feel, man, you were just in the zone today. And my response is always, it is the Lord. Because it is not in the power and demonstration of my own wisdom that I stand before people and do what I do. I'm always recognizing that I'm responding in obedience to what the Lord has asked me to do. And so I've learned to recognize it is the Lord in my life. I've learned to recognize when I met my wife and she came into my life and I love Abby with all my heart, man. You know what I said? It is the Lord who brought her to me. It was not my charm. It was not my intellect. I know I get told a lot. I look like Brad Pitt, but it's not true. No, just kidding. Uh, So anyway, it's like, it is the Lord, man. The Lord brought that woman to me. The Lord, the Lord has provided uh, for me all of my life. When I see my children, they came into the world. You know what I said? It is the Lord. It is the Lord who's given me those kids. It is the Lord who's brought me to Overland Park. It is the Lord that has done everything in my life, and I recognize that very quickly, and when we fail to do that. Listen, I know from experience, when you do not recognize that it is the Lord, then what happens is the Lord starts to block your path. You see, nothing, like... When the Lord starts to do that and we're children of his and we're rebelling, man, and we, we have forgotten how to say it is the Lord, then he blocks our paths and we will never get where we're going and we will desire to be there with every bit of our being. Maybe you're a person who's very artistic and you're looking to make it big in Nashville. You're traveling the music scene. If you are a child of the Lord and you are ignoring him, the Lord will allow you to get up close to it. He will allow you to see it, but he will not allow you to have it. He will block your path in order to protect you from drifting away from him because you are his. So it is good for us to understand that if we're going to live the abundant life, the most fruit-filled life that we possibly could live, then we need to learn how to recognize it is the Lord. We say, well, what about all those people that they are experiencing that? They're experiencing everything the American dream could throw at them. What I would say is, like, either they haven't come to that place, if they're in a place of rebellion against the Lord, they even haven't come to that place where they're, they're going to be blocked, or they don't belong to the Lord. And that's a scary thing to think about. And so I think when I see this pandemic and I see it impacting the entire world, you know what I think the Lord is saying? I love you all. I died for you all. 
And I'm roaring at you all. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the wealthiest person, the most famous person. Isn't it interesting that the entire world is stopped right now? The lion is roaring. He has blocked our path. And he is calling us to give spiritual ears and spiritual eyes to the truth that he is roaring at us plainly. Gomer thought for a moment, I'd be better off if I went back home. But she didn't go. It reminds us of the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son. He got to a place where he was so broken in life, he was laying in the pig slop. He was looking at the pig's food, thinking that he was desiring even to eat it, and it dawned on him, I would be better off as a slave in my father's home than I am here in this pig slop. And he went home, but Gomer did not. She just thought about it. She didn't go, and so we get to the second therefore. We get to the second therefore, and it's found in verse 9, and it says, therefore I will take away my grain when it ripens. Like he's saying, I'm the one that causes it to, to grow. It is not the bales that you're praying to. It is me and my hand. And my new wine when it is ready. I will take it away, he says. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover my, her body. Here's the second takeaway. When we ignore the lion, he will take. If blocking doesn't get our attention and get us to come back home and repent, then he will take. He will take the very provision that he intends to pour out on our lives like buckets of blessing as we walk in obedience. And if we're not willing to walk in obedience, it will be withdrawn and the Lord will take. That is clearly what this scripture is teaching us. She thought about returning, but she didn't. So what happened? Things went from bad to worse. Now it's no longer just blocking, it's taking. She's now exposed. Beauty and charm is fading. Years have passed, and a hard life has shown up in her body. No one is interested now. Wide is the road, and broad is the path that leads to destruction. You see, if we are his, he will stop us. And that's what he's doing in Gomer's life. And that's what he's telling the nation of Israel, is I'm going to stop you. And it's not going to be long before they are going into exile and their whole country, like they are taken out of their land. You say, well, man, like that could never happen to America. Oh, really? Oh, really? It's happened to any other superpowers in the history of the world. And it happened to Israel. And the people of God need to awaken and understand that we are jeopardizing the future of our children because of our stubbornness and selfishness. We're suppressing the truth of the gospel of Christ and we won't let him reign in our lives. We just want a little bit of Jesus. And he says, I get all of you. And we see that he not only blocks, he takes. I'm thankful that he stops. He stopped me. In 1992, my life, I was running amok, and he stopped me in my tracks. And he began to block things, and he took things away. And it was painful for me. And I didn't understand why some of these things were happening in my life. But as I look back on that situation in my life, I understand better to be in pain than never to figure out it is the Lord. 
Like I look back on that pain and it's the most amazing experience. I would never trade it for anything. All of the painful experiences in my life, the Lord has brought me closer to himself and he's taught me something about truth and who he is and freedom and how to recognize it is the Lord. And so that's what he's doing in Gomer's life. When you fail to realize it is the Lord, he will block and he will take. If you are his, he will keep you from your idols. If you belong to the Lord and you are his child, he will do whatever it takes to protect you. And if that means blocking your path and taking some provision to get you to focus on what really matters, that's what he's doing as father in your life. He said, man, that brings us to our final therefore. It says in verse 14 and 15, why does he do these things? Why, like we look at this and see we don't, we're not faithful to teach this side of God. And so it's, it's taking away from us understanding this beautiful side of God and really appreciating it. And so we turn deep grace into cheap grace. And when we understand what's really happening, then we begin to give our allegiance to the Lord. Therefore, he says, now I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Acre a door of hope. Here's the third takeaway. When we ignore the lion, he will allure. He will block and take as long as it is necessary to get us to the points where our ears are sensitive to what he's saying, and then he will start to allure. Thank you, Lord, for alluring me. Like, thank you for alluring me, Lord, and, and drawing me back and speaking tenderly to me. The Valley of Acre is, it, it, Achor means trouble. And the first time it was used in the Bible was when the children of Israel were led out of bondage in Egypt. They're led out of bondage, and they're uh, to, about to enter into the promised land. And, and, bef- and they're going to go into battle against this um, uh, uh, enemy nation called Ai. And they go into battle, and they're defeated. But the Lord had promised them that they wouldn't be defeated, that wherever their feet touched, that they would take that land. And so they go into battle, and they're defeated. And they're try- Joshua's trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And they discover that there is sin in the camp. And so there's a guy by the name of Achan who has d- disobeyed, b- disobeyed God, and he has taken some, some of the plunder and kept it for himself. which they were not supposed to do. And so because he did that, the whole nation suffered in that one instance. And there, there were consequences. The judgment of God fell on that place, and it was named the Valley of Accor. And so it means trouble. The Valley of Accor means trouble. And it becomes, in this case, when he refers to it with Gomer and the nation of Israel, he's trying to get their attention again. He's saying the valley of trouble will become a door of hope. And that's what I'm hoping that this valley of trouble that we are experiencing nationally, worldwide even, I'm, I'm praying that it is a door of hope that people seize the opportunity of what is happening in our midst. For people of the Lord, hope is always on the other side of the door of trouble. So if you're going through trouble right now and you know 
know that you're not walking with the Lord, then you understand that he's roaring at you. He's trying to get your attention. He's calling you back to the desert so he can allure you. He can speak tenderly to you. The, the, the truth of the gospel and all that permeates the word of God can fall in your life and you can begin to walk in power and authority instead of being an anemic person who's claiming to belong to the church of the Lord. If you belong to the church of the Lord, then your life ought to be marked by the power and authority of the Holy Spirit rolling out of you to do what? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that Jesus taught. How many Christians do you see doing that? Like, just sit on that for a minute. When you roll past another Easter and buy the chocolate bunnies and forget about the thing that we're supposed to be doing as a mission of the body of Christ. When the authority and power of the Lord fall on you and he allures you out into the desert and he speaks truth tenderly to your ears, then you want to fall before him and obey him. And we know that he calls us to go and do this very thing. She, we see, it says, will sing as in the days of her youth. The Lord is giving back to her all that is lost. She is transformed from slave to spouse. It says that she is betrothed to, to God. She is betrothed back to him in righteousness, justice, love, faithfulness, and compassion. I kind of am reminded of the fruit of the Spirit, how it's supposed to be bared out in our lives when we abide with the Lord. As John 15, 15 teaches us to, to remain in him, mino, to hang with the Lord and let him allure us and let him speak truth softly and tenderly into us. And what happens is as we walk in obedience, we bear the fruit of the gospel. And this Easter, what I think we have in America is too many people trying to do the fruit instead of be the fruit. You see, Christianity is not about what we do. It's about who we are. It's about the fruit just growing in our lives because we know Christ and we're betrothed to him and the fruit of the spirit just grows in our lives. And then he tells them great days are coming. And he's talking about it is a foreshadowing and a prophecy of the second coming of Christ even before his first coming. I will provide for you. I will plant you. He changes trouble into hope. And I'm reminded of someone else who was troubled. In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus said, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me. From this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus was troubled. So you and I don't have to be. And so as we wind this thing down, what we can know from that is we can know his peace. He said, peace I leave with you. To teach us Listen to me, church. Listen to me, whoever you are. If the Lord is after you, to teach us, he will allow us to go through the valley of trouble. Because he loves us. Gomer did. And what happens to her as she travels down this spiral, this cycle of sin that's paved paved by 
materialism and pleasure. And she gets herself into such deep trouble that she cannot pay a debt. And so what happens is when you cannot pay a debt and you're a woman of this stature, you're sold on the auction block. And so here is Gomer who could not pay her debt and is being sold to try to compensate her debtor. And as she's there on the auction block, you need to understand during this time in biblical history, what would happen is they would strip the woman naked. And here is a woman, now further along in her years, who started out charming and beautiful. Her life has now been marred with sin, and she's not nearly as attractive as she once was. And as she stands on the auction block, with her head hung low, in front of all of these people, thinking to herself, I've ruined my life. The auctioneer begins the sale. And nobody bids. And she has her head there, and the devil is whispering in her ear, you sorry, wretched whore. The same voice that was telling her at the beginning of her life that she would do great things and that she didn't have to worry about all the, th the spiritual truth that she was ignoring is now screaming at her, you are worthless. No one will even bid a dollar for you. And as she's there in that place with her heart crushed, her life broken in the valley of trouble, she hears a voice and says, I'll give 13 shekels of silver. And another man cries out, I'll give 14 shekels of silver. And the first man cries out, I'll give 15 shekels of silver. And then the third man, the, back to the first man says, I'll give 15 shekels and a bushel of barley. And back to the first man, as she raises her head, he says, I'll give 15 shekels, 15 shekels of, uh, 15, uh, uh, shekels of silver and a bushel and a half of barley. And she raises her eyes and she sees it's Hosea. And he had come with all the cash that was necessary to buy her back. And no one else bid on Gomer that day because they knew that Hosea was serious about buying his wife back. And now Hosea owned her and he bought her back. And he pulled her down off of that auction block. And he had brought a robe because he knew he was not going home without her. And a brand new robe he put on her back. And he said to her, Gomer, you're coming home with me today to live. And you're not going to be a prostitute any longer. And you're not going to be intimate with all of these men. I'm taking you home with me. Chapter 3 of Hosea, the Lord said to me, go show yourself your love to your wife again. 
Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will live with you. Hosea bought her, covered her with a robe, and took her home to live. And that brings us to the big idea of today's talk this is Easter. The lion roars because he laid down his life for you. That's why he roars. He doesn't roar because he doesn't love us. I mean, he's not roaring because he doesn't love us. He's not roaring to punish us. He's roaring us to say, listen, man. Quit prostituting yourself out to false idols. Quit prostituting yourself out to materialism. Quit saying you don't have time for me. I'm trying to get your attention. You're mine. Jesus steps into the marketplace of sin and buys us for himself. He robes us in righteousness and takes us home to live. The world bids for us, but Jesus paid the highest price so we can be his. And that, my friends, is what Easter is about. God the Father is the auctioneer. And he asks, as he's the auctioneer, what is the price? And Jesus, God the Son, says, I give my blood. And God the Father says, sold. And God the Holy Spirit robes us in the righteousness of Christ. And he takes us home with him to live so that we can say, it is the Lord. And I have freedom My life has been set free from the slavery of sin because the Lord loves me even though I'm an adulterer. Can you imagine the love of God in this story? So this Easter, like, go home with Jesus and live Back to the prophet Amos. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? You see, friends, Jesus is a lion. (laughs) And he roars. And he is not safe. But bros and sisters... He is good. And when you learn how to run with him, and you learn the freedom that comes from living the abundant life, and the power and authority of the Lord falls on you to go and accomplish the mission of the church, then you will be living and hearing truth spoke tenderly to your eyes and ears as we walk by faith and not by sight. If you're not listening to Jesus, like if you're not listening to him, you have placed an idol before him and he roars out and calls to us, come home, come home. I'm taking you home. I fought this call of the Lord for seven years of my life, from the time I was 15 to 22, I fought it in a deep state of rebellion, rebellion, was a complete adulterer to Jesus. 
Like I was a child of his, but I was totally ignoring him. And I did not clear, quite understand the love that he had for me at that point in my life. I knew that he loved me, but I didn't know about this freedom. I didn't know about walking in step with him as a lion and, and living the abundant life that he promised. And so I entered the valley of trouble. And there is where he met me and allured me into the wilderness to speak truth into my life. Is he alluring you this morning? Like, is the lion calling forth for you to give your life to him? Is he calling forth and roaring for you to repent and recommit your life to him? Have you ever met? Jesus as personal Savior. This is why we quote the verse all the time, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is the roar of the lion. And why does he roar? Because he wants us to be his. I'm gonna ask you to bow in a spirit of prayer. If you need to receive him into your life, like what you need to do is pray right now. Don't worry about who's in the room with you. Like don't worry about your kids. Don't, don't worry about, man, like people are going to think I'm weird. The only one you need to be concerned about right now is Jesus. Like just get, like he's the one that's trying to get your attention. The greatest things your kids could ever, the greatest thing your kids could ever see is you weeping before the Lord and broken and starting to follow him. So do whatever it takes. Like, man, if you need to have a more, more in-depth conversation and you need to talk a little bit, that's what I've given my life for. That's why I'm here. I'm here to talk spiritual things with you and help point you to Christ, the God of the universe, the lion roaring, trying to save all of us so that we should not perish. And so I would encourage you, man, like if you make a decision, let us know. If you need to recommit your life to the Lord and say, man, I'm just, I just need to repent and say, I'm sorry, Lord, and, and, and re reconcile with him. I am a child. I just need to come home. Then do that right now, man. You could raise your hand on this um, platform. It's got a way for you to say, man, that's me. We, we had some people do it last week, and maybe that's you this week. Don't be afraid to have courage right now because the lion is the one calling you, man. And if God is for you, who can be against you? So I would encourage you, man, like just rest in the Lord and let him do his work in you. Now, I'm going to pray for us all. And I'm going to say that, man, um, for, for, for OPCC, I'll just remind you, those of you who call this place home, like don't forget to support the work of the lion, okay? You've been so faithful, and we're in great shape. And if you have a need, please let us know. And we'll do our best to minister to you. But let us go before the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Easter. <laughs> Jesus, we're thankful that you paid the ultimate price. Like when we look at that and we go, man. Like, Lord, we all are the whores on the auction block. And the only thing that will pull us off of that is the price of your blood. And so, Lord, for people who are confessing you for the first time as, as Lord and Savior, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would gloriously robe them in your righteousness right now. They would feel the transformation that I felt, Lord, come over me 
as you invaded my life. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as a church, that we would be awakened to the point we're so sensitive to what you're saying that revival breaks out in our midst and that we shake up our city for you because we know you are a lion and we are faithful to what you're calling us to. I pray for the world, Lord. I pray that she hears you as you're alluring her back to yourself. You're trying to speak truth to your people and may they have ears to hear and eyes to see. We ask it in Christ's name and amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.